Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Justin McElroy. I don't see why we're bragging. Justin, it is it is cold and flu season, as you know. That is so true, Sid, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for... No, no, no. I already made the button, though. I know. Are you telling me I'm never going to be able to use is, the button again? No, never again. It was it was only applicable to that one episode, and even its usage then, I find Challenge. distressing. Challenge, yeah. It was questionable. Justin, everybody's coughing and sneezing. It's so annoying. They're aching and chilling. And it is it is the season when I begin to see a very... For me, upsetting Facebook meme circulate. God, there are so many upsetting Facebook memes. I could really mean anything mm-hmm. with that. But this one is particularly offensive to my sensibilities. And I see it throughout the year, but it is now that I'm seeing it more than ever. Um, and what is that? It's So this meme has a picture of two things, typically. And it is a bottle of a dark liquid uh, of a syrup uh, and a, a box that looks like a medicine. It looks like a box that you would buy at the pharmacy of some sort of over-the-counter medicine. And the meme says this flu season, uh, and sometimes it'll say like the, uh, what doctors don't want you to know. They won't tell you. Here's what doctors won't tell you. Take these two medicines every day and you don't need a flu shot because they're just as effective or more effective or whatever the whatever whoever made it decides to say this week. Well, Sid, why are you guys? Shop. Why are you all been sitting on this? This sounds huge. I'm so stoked. Well, it's fake, Justin. This is Sawbones. You knew that, but I wanted to talk about mainly the the first ingredient that people love to use as a cure all, elderberry, and then a little bit about it's what I think this time of year it's companion medication. Although I don't think this is all year long, but this time of year the two seem to like fly in tandem. Mm-hmm. Oscillococcinium. Oscillococcinium. Yes, I bl- I guess that must be how it's pronounced. It's fake, so I don't feel bad if I'm saying it wrong. You know, I think that's fair because mm-hmm. it's a fake thing. You know, if she really understood it, she would pronounce it correctly. <laughs> how can I trust her evaluation of this great, great medicine? I want to focus on elderberry first, though, because elderberry, especially uh, in various Facebook groups, seems to be used as kind of a cure-all for everything, especially like if you're kid is sick here's a great thing you can use for whatever it's made of elderberries so it's fine uh and uh so i thought 
let's let's spend a little bit of time on that and then we'll we'll cover the other briefly. I'm ready. So thank you to everybody who suggested this throughout the years. This one has been a long time coming. Thank you, Sarah and Sabrina and Ian and Carolyn and Anna and Megan and Carrie and Eleanor and Ellie and Rachel and Em and June and Taryn and Darby and Lauren and Abby and Martha and Alexis and Katie and Grace and Allison and Nick and Aaron and Catherine. It reminds me of Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> it was Sarah and Sabrina. Yeah. I was thinking the... Um, you know, the Animaniacs one where they name all the countries. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so thanks to all of you for uh, ruining Elderberry for all of us. <laughs> and for those of you who asked me in your email if you should be using this instead of the flu shot. Shame. Shame on you. No, I just want you to know now. No. Shame. Just in case you don't listen to the end. <laughs> I want to get that out front. You have listened. The answer is no. The, you, you have listened to this show before. <laughs> Shame. So what? Uh, what is elderberry? Well, you could probably guess. It's the berry from the elder tree. <laughs> Old berries. No. No. And you can trace the use of elderberry back to antiquity. Uh, It's interesting because as I was trying to read about which ancient medical traditions tended to use elder, I definitely know that you can look back into like European traditions, like go back to like Greek and Roman uses throughout the medieval period. You find it throughout the Native American, various populations and and through colonial America. I, I see references to its use in Ayurvedic medicine or in traditional Chinese medicine, but I don't actually find them from like, it almost seems like something that was applied later. And a lot of the articles I found did not seem to originate from anyone who actually practiced mm. Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine. So I think it, it was probably because the tree is just more prevalent throughout North America and Europe that you, re- that's really where the medical traditions of it lie. As far as I can tell. And there are two specifically, the European elder, which is Sambucus nigra, and the dwarf elder, which is Sambucus ebulus. So Sambuca, you've probably heard. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. That's elder. Oh, it's the same thing? Mm-hmm. So Sambucol, that's elderberry syrup. Uh, I've taken Sambucol before. It did not. Uh, I used to have the little uh, pills. They don't uh, they do anything. Do anything. Yeah, that's true. They don't do anything. So, the well, okay. I'll get into the evidence. I, I always hate to dismiss when there's any study that I can talk about, but they didn't, tr- they didn't cure anything, I'll tell you that. So, the name Sambucus actually comes from a Greek word for an instrument, a Sambuca, which is because the, I guess the elder plant, the elder tree, the wood, has a very, like, soft pith that is easily removed. So, you can get these hollow rods from it pretty easily. And use it for a musical instrument. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, that is actually a, a, a use. Yeah. No, for sure. The And the elder tree, if you look back to ancient traditions, ha, was a very important in terms of like spiritual meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there is a lot of like folklore and mythology associated with the elder tree. Mm-hmm. I think Harry Potter comes to mind when I started. I was like, why do I have that associated with elder? Oh, the elder wand. Uh, right. That's, <laughs> From Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, okay. Uh, the elder, the word elder is actually from the Anglo-Saxon word for fire because you could hollow out the, the so two. nothing to do with being old? No. Use it of... to blow on fire while you're making a fire. Oh. To stoke a fire. Okay. So, uh, and like I said, that you find like all these kind of spiritual traditions and it's, it's not weird to think that something that had some sort of religious meaning 
to a group of people would begin to develop like a medicinal association. Right. You find this with a lot of various herbal things. And so originally you would want to plant an elder tree like near your house or whatever, because it was thought to be inhabited by spirits that prevented it from being like struck by lightning or catching on fire. So it could be protective. Um, And the flip side of that is that you would never want to like make furniture out of elder because then the spirit is in your home. Oh, gosh. No, get out of here. Right. And it's mad at you because like you turned it into a chair or whatever. Sure. And you're you're farting on it. (laughs) It's very disrespectful. Uh, There was there were a lot of illnesses that could be blamed on like harming an elder tree. Mm. So if you cut one down or burned one, they'd be like, well, you're going to get sick or oh, do you have a toothache? Did you chop down an elder tree? Now, that's a new one on sawbones, I think, (laughs) is like a um, ingredient that is also a uh, uh, agent of illness. Well, it's potent. It's powerful, right? It's it. You get this. And I mean. You don't find this today with modern medicines because they're made like in labs, you know, boring. Um, But if you're drawing from especially if you go into like herbal traditions with like the doctrine of signatures, like these things are made to mimic different parts of our body and they have very potent life forces and spirits. And so they can affect our human bodies in different ways. Doctrine of signatures means for people that don't remember uh, the idea that like cures like that you can find things out in the natural world that look like resemble parts of the human body. Cauliflower cures your brain. Right. Or a walnut. It was the best. That was always the a walnut will cure your brain because it looks like a little brain. So it'll cure a headache. That kind of thing, (laughs) which is very elegant and beautiful, but not scientifically sound. It'd be nice, though. It would be a pretty thought. I like to think about it. I can understand why it would have been attractive. So uh, you could also just like you could if you harm the elder tree, it could hurt you medically. You could use it to. Because it had this kind of potent, almost magical, really, is what we're talking about at this point. This is before we start using it, actually thinking it's it's doing something inside our body physically. This is more of a magical, spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. You could carry a stick of elder in your pocket for arthritis or specifically to prevent like saddle soreness after when you were riding a horse. Mm. So I read one article that said that in a traditional fox hunt, which I cannot speak to, having never been on a fox hunt, uh, that it was up until even the 1950s riders would carry like a piece of wood in their pocket just because that was like the tradition a piece hmm. of carry a piece of elder but we're you. talking more like talismanic like at this point like putting a exactly. knife under the bed to cut the pain of childbirth exactly same thing you could put a piece of elder in your bath water and it would absorb your fever transfer it to the tree um you could uh carve a notch in it for every wart you have and bury it and by the time the stick disintegrates your warts will be gone which, again, wart cures are the best because warts tend to just go away on their own most of the time. So, like, it probably would have been gone by the time the stick disintegrated into the earth. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> of course, if we go if we go back to ancient Greek medical traditions, Pliny the Elder had lots to say. Got to get a hand on this ball. You know Pliny was going to be up in Elderberry. It has all these spiritual, important, like, it's so significant to so many different people of course he's gonna have something to say about it so in the natural history uh he lists in chapter 35 of book 24 15 remedies in a in a chapter that is titled the elder 15 remedies wow i like it's always very easily searchable yeah (laughs) in that sense and so he talks about all the different things like they can move your humors about in different ways uh they can treat dog bites if you mix them with polenta and make them into a poultice (laughs) 
you can use elderberry juice to heal a brain abscess. Wow. Plenty. That's a big, that's a called shot plenty. <laughs> uh, also, there were recipes for various. How did that fool even know you had a brain abscess? That's a great question, Justin. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, there were also recipes for various parts of the elder tree. He would, he would wait until someone died that he had given elder and be like, look, just cracked him open. No brain abscess. <laughs> I bet they had one before, though. <laughs> that it was the elder. It's important to remember, Plenty just wrote about this stuff. He's like, I don't know. I just write, I just write what hey, I hear. Listen, I'm I just, just write hearing, what I hear. I just what I heard. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, he he said there were various parts of the tree that could be used as a diuretic. You could add some wine and use it for a snake bite. You could add some he goat suet and use it for gout. Not she goat, he goat. He goat. Uh, also, he includes in this chapter that it's good for dyeing your hair. And as I counted, this is included among the 15 remedies. And I think that's <laughs> plenty. And that one is probably true, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that that would be incorrect is wild. Because <laughs> uh, that's an easily checkable one. Well, and there's a whole companion history to elderberry as medicine that you could go into. That's not my area of expertise. But obviously, elderberries were used for things like dyeing, uh, clothing and hair and fabrics, painting, that kind of stuff. Um, because it's a pretty color, mm-hmm. you know, especially there are various colors of elderberry, depending on which tree we're talking about. They, they range from like reds to blues and really dark purples and um, black, um, really beautiful, deep pigments. So, you know, it was obviously also being used for those kind of applications. In addition, there's a whole culinary and. Oh, sure. Right. What's the drink word? Cocktail history. Maybe. Lib. Lib. Libationary? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Is that a word? Libationary? Libationary maybe, feels like a good maybe word. Maybe neat can cover this. Yeah, this would be more of a neat uh, yeah. thing. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell my sister Taylor to cover this on neat. The hist- because elderberry obviously has been used for um, elderflower drinks, spirits, and um, Sambuca. It's, uh, you know, I mean like that. So there's a whole other in culinary history. It was using sauces and stuff like that too. Um, but... In North America, along with all these, and, and this is, is fun to talk about. We don't often talk about like the traditional, like in among Native Americans, what they were using with some of these substances, because it was very popular throughout. Libationary does seem to be a word, by the way. Just saying. Okay. Uh, but it's very popular throughout Europe. But then also you found in different parts of North America, uh, the Cherokee people used elderberry and flower, elderflower teas as well, for things like arthritis, headaches, fevers, wounds. Uh, dropsy, you know, all, all the basically everything kind What's of dropsy? Is a, I always forget. heart failure is probably what they're talking about when they use the word dropsy. Dropsy okay. could be applied, though, to like strokes, too, and brain hemorrhages and all kinds of stuff. But I think that it most equates with heart failure. Okay. Um, also, uh, the Algonquin people use the bark. Depending on if you scraped up or down, it could be used as like an emetic to make you throw up or purgative to, you know, make you. Poo. Get, get that one right. <laughs> don't get that confused. Hey, hey, uh, how did you get this bark off the tree again? I honestly don't remember. Best of luck. Good luck with that one. Either way, I guess it's going to do something. Something's going to uh, happen. The Lenape people use it for a, a, a variety of different cures, among them colic for infants. Um, and uh, you can find it. It's used throughout the Caribbean for various um, like compresses. Like different Caribbean peoples use it for like a chest compress for a chest cold or a head 
you know, like poultice thing for a headache or around your eyes to reduce puffiness around your eyes, different things like that. Um, and it, it seems to have been, like I said, predominantly European, North American. And it, it rose to a point where it was at least by the 1600s considered kind of a cure all. I found this quote from uh, William Cole, who was a botanist and an herbalist, and he was a proponent of the doctrine of signatures and, and all that. And he wrote, there's hardly a disease from the head to the foot, but it cures. Speaking of elderberry, it is profitable for the headache, for ravings and wakings, hypochondriac and melancholy, the falling sickness, catarrh, deafness, faintness, and facors. So everything, everything. And this was throughout colonial America and the Civil War period. You still continue to find elderberry cited as useful for everything from put it around your head, put, the, put it around the head of a wounded soldier to keep flies away from them. Um, <laughs> you could use it to treat a cough. You could use it to stop bleeding. Uh, there was one traditional use I forgot to mention that I really enjoyed. You could put elderberries in your windowsill to repel vampires because vampires have to compulsively count things. I didn't know that. This is new to me. In vampire lore, some vampire lore, they have to compulsively count things. So if you put a bunch of elderberries in your windowsill, they'll, they'll never make it inside because they have to count them all. Yeah, but then <laughs> you are also risking waking up in the morning, like in the late late evening hours and coming outside and seeing a vampire count the berries on your windowsill. That would be extremely upsetting. I wouldn't do your bedroom window, so no. that seems scary. Uh, over time, though, it started to become more closely associated specifically with fevers and upper respiratory infections. Okay. And again, all along, it's still being used in drinks and foods and dyes and sauces and, and whatever. But the medicinal point is really associated with flu-like illness, cough, congestion, fever, runny nose, that kind of stuff. So you, you really start to see studies on it in just the last few decades hmm. is when people said, well, we've used, and there's always that question, if we've used something for thousands of years, are we using it because it does something or are we just using it because we've used it for thousands of years? Right. Right? That, yeah, to assume that it works because of that would be a fallacy, the appeal to angel wisdom. But it makes sense to test it out to see how it does. So we've done some studies. One that specifically has been mentioned a lot is that we did one in in a lab uh, where we infected cells with influenza, human cells with influenza in a lab, mm -hmm. and then exposed them to elderberry juice. Okay. And what they found is that it seemed like there were certain like phytochemicals within the elderberry juice that could prevent the virus, not completely, but uh, make it d more difficult for the virus to enter the cells. And even once it got in there, make it more difficult for the virus to replicate. And in addition, they, s they seem to send some signals off to the rest of the body that would stimulate your immune system to respond. So they did this in a lab with elderberry juice and they found these very positive results. So that doesn't look great for you, Sid. I will just say that as an outside observer. It is important to remember, though. I'm already buying it. I'm we, buying it in bulk I, I know. I know. You're ordering it off Amazon right now. I, it is important to remember that just because something works a certain way in a Petri dish in a lab does not necessarily indicate that it will work the same way in a human body out in the world. Which is why any medications are first 
created in a lab and tested in a lab. And then if they do show promising results, they are put into clinical trials so that we can actually see what they do in people. Because part of that is for safety, right? To make sure that they're not going to hurt people. The other part is to make sure they work. Right. Because they might not work just because they work in a lab. Those two don't always correlate. So did we, I mean, there's got to be other trials we can do, right? Yes. There are some clinical trials that have been done. And I want to talk about that data after we go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. So, Sid, um, you ended the first half of the show in, dare I say it, disgrace. <laughs> um, your precious science abandoned you uh, when it was proven that in a lab, elderberry juice can stop the flu, deter the flu from uh, getting into human cells. 
So in a, in a lab, we found these results. The next question is, well, what does it do in a human body? Uh, and any researcher would tell you that. I, even I'm, I'm certain the researchers who did that study said, these are exciting results. Now let's see what happens in humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we look into clinical trials using elderberry, as you may guess, they're sparse. Because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. And there's not a huge profit. You can you can technically, although I'm going to get into why I don't advise this, you can technically make your own elderberry syrup. Mm. Again, I do not advise it. We'll get into it. But uh, it's very cheap. It's easily accessible. No giant drug company is going to do a big, you know, controlled trial, double blinded. It's just not going to happen. But there was a recent meta analysis of 137 articles that have been published about elderberry's effect. Uh, specifically on cold and flu symptoms. And uh, from that, what they do with the meta-analysis is they they decide ahead of time, we want to see if we can take all the studies that have ever been done about this one question mm-hmm. and pull them together and come up with an answer by pulling all of these studies together. But before you do that, you decide on what criteria you're going to use. If I'm going to include a study in my meta-analysis, it has to meet, and you so you sit down and you come up with a list of rules. It has to meet these rules. So from these 137 articles that potentially could be included in the meta-analysis, only four actually met the rules, meaning we consider these somewhat meaningful. You know? Okay. Um, and from that, from those four studies, that is, that only means that 180 people were included. So total. So out of 137 elderberry studies, only four were considered somewhat meaningful, and that totaled 180 humans. And the results of those were that it seemed taking elderberry when you had, again, cold or flu symptoms is what we're. T- so we're not saying influenza necessarily. We're talking about symptoms that could be considered cold and flu symptoms, which the cold, and, the common cold and influenza are extremely different. But this time of year, they get lumped in together mm-hmm. because both can make you like have a cough and congestion and a and fever. And they're mainly lumped together nose. by drug companies that are selling you treatment for the symptoms. When in reality, for the vast majority of us, a common cold is absolutely no big deal. Not everybody, but for the majority of us, it's no big deal. You're going to feel bad and then get better. And that's fine. We'll all get them. The flu, influenza, is a much bigger deal. And it's always unfortunate, I think, that they're lumped in together as if it's like all the same. No, they're all viruses. I'm sure the cold didn't appreciate it. I was just trying to have some fun. (laughs) That guy's mean. I was just, the cold is like I got to stay home from school a day and eat some soup and play video games. And my mom was really sweet to me. The flu is like, oh my gosh, I can't get out of bed. My whole body hurts. I hate this. Right. Cold is the fun kind of sick where you're like, I could use a break. The flu's like, I kind of want to die. <laughs> I kind of want to live in a toilet. So they used elderberry uh, in these four studies among these 180 people, and they found that it seemed taking elderberry could reduce the duration and severity of these symptoms compared to placebo. Okay. But this is in 180 people. <laughs> That's right. it. That's not a lot. That's not a sample size that's big enough to reflect the entire population. So from this meta-analysis, they said, it's really interesting. And that's all you can say until you do bigger studies to say like, okay, but what, what could, what is the real potential of elderberry here if applied to the population at large? Um, And again, they in no way showed that it could prevent a colder flu. 
So it doesn't make sense to take them before, but it sounds like, if I'm hearing you correctly, it maybe doesn't hurt. What they found is might that help. it may reduce the duration and severity of some of these symptoms in some people. That's it. But it doesn't replace a flu shot. I, well, there was no data whatsoever that it could prevent it. So, no, it, it doesn't do this. It, it's comparing apples and oranges. The flu shot can prevent the flu. Elderberry cannot. Okay. Got so, it. so it in no way should be used to prevent anything. It, it, what they said was if you get a cold and you want to take some elderberry syrup, maybe you'll be sick a little less long. Like, you know, that's it. That was what they said. So, of course, what has come from data like this is an entire industry around selling people elderberry, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have... Let's, let's profit off of it. <laughs> let's profit off of it. We can't prove that it works, so let's sell it to people instead. So you can find elderberry syrups and lozenges and like supplements, pills. They're, they're widely available. Um, if you go... I was just at the pharmacy the other day, and I went out of curiosity to the cold and flu aisle. Again, it's all lumped together, cold and flu aisle. And right across the top shelf, top billing, top shelf, was an entire line of elderberry products right there next to now to be fair next to other cold medicines that don't work too but still (laughs) but still they're just lined up right there along the top at the pharmacy as if it's just like well you know this is this is a medicine that we all accept works and we we have not all accepted that it works no we don't have the data to say that this works we have some studies that are interesting but medicine shouldn't work this way it shouldn't be that i don't know maybe throw it up on the shelf and let's see what sticks so anyway, there was a you'll see referenced a study that proved it was better than a medicine called Tamiflu. Have you heard of Tamiflu? Yes. It can be prescribed to, to people who have been diagnosed with influenza. And Tamiflu has been shown to, again, uh, reduce the duration and severity of the flu, of influenza. We're talking about not cold and flu symptoms, the flu. Uh, I am the first to say Tamiflu is not a perfect medication. It You have to take it within the first 48 hours for it to really have much of an effect. Um, and that's difficult to get, you know, get a medicine to somebody within 48 hours of them having symptoms, like prove they have the flu and get them on Tamiflu. So there are some limitations to it, but it's been studied. We know it works. It's They've done real trials. And, you know, like any other medicine on earth, it if it is prescribed to the right patient after using your criteria and discussing risks and benefits, it can be helpful. Um, There is no study that compared the two. Basically, somebody said, well, in this one study about elderberry, it reduced the duration of the flu by like four days. And in this study of Tamiflu, it was only like two days. So see, it's better than Tamiflu. But you can't do that. You can't just grab two random studies from the air and then say, look, I compared them. I mean, I guess you could, but it doesn't mean anything. Like it's not a scientifically robust statement. So if you see that out there, that doesn't that's not true. There was no study that directly compared the two under the same conditions and showed that it, it was superior. If you look at the Sambacol website, and this is one of the, the big producers of this elderberry stuff, it says on there cold and fru- flu relief, fast temporary relief from nasal and size congestion, run nose, sore throat, coughing, sneezing, chills and fever. And then on the website right here. It says claims based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Like they're basically saying, like, we're making this up 
but we are still going to claim that's what it does right there on the package. They've gotten in trouble for it. There have been some lawsuits in the past specifically aimed, I think, at Sam Bacall for claims that they make. Um, because because especially it's not it's not just like we talked about cough drops. People are out there using cough drops when they get sick and mm-hmm. some of them are just candy. <laughs> and that's the thing about it is that cough drops aren't out there saying, hey, take this instead of a flu shot. Right. But there are people saying, out there you're saying you're sick. It sucks. Have some candy. Yes. And there are people out there who will tell you elderberry works instead, like use it instead. And that's a dangerous, dangerous statement to make. That's a life threatening claim. If you if you tell people that elderberry will replace their flu shot, you know, so uh, the the thing with making your own elderberry syrup, I wanted to mention this, too, because people will say that, like, well, don't go buy it. Just make it yourself. If you have access to an elder tree, pick the berries and boil them down and make elderberry syrup. Sounds wild. The problem is that if you consume uncooked uh, elderberries, specifically blue or black elderberries, there's a there's a toxic substance in them and the seeds that can make you super sick. You can cause nausea and vomiting. You can get very sick. There's actually parts of the plant that contain cyanide. So if you cook other parts of the plant in with it, you can release cyanide. Oh, not great. But the point is, if you don't know how to prepare it, you you can get really, really sick from elderberry. So don't eat the berries ever. And certainly I I would not recommend making your own because what if you don't boil it thoroughly enough? You don't get rid of all the toxic substances so you're basically tacitly saying people should be buying Sambacol at the grocery store. No, you're I am saying, saying that if you in- don't make it your own, buy these great products right now. I'm saying if you insist on taking elderberry, uh, don't make it yourself. Fair. I Now, I like I said, I see these Facebook memes that combine elderberry with this oscillococcinium. And so I looked into this. I was like, what? It, what is this stuff? Because it says homeopathic right on the box. So for me, if it says homeopathic... Just, just look, look, just, look the other direction. Just what does forget that mean it in this in this sense? Well, for for the elderberry, I mean, homeopathic usually indicates that it's been diluted, diluted to the point that there's right? nothing there. That is not my understanding from elderberry. Maybe syrups. it's kind of a funny, like kind of like a winky way of saying that it's fake. <laughs> like well, they're basically like if they put homeopathic on there, then oscillinium, oscillococcinium. There you go. Is homeopathic in the sense of the word homeopathic as in there's nothing there it's fake uh it stems from a french physician named joseph roy who was uh helping take care of patients during the uh, spanish flu of 1917 so he was looking in the blood of victims of the flu for like what 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 happened here basically and he he saw something that he called an oscillococci because he saw what he thought was a little bacteria that could change size, could change shape and size very quickly. So it's oscillating. Okay, got it. So he saw these oscillococci and he got really excited. And so he started looking in the blood of a, patients of a bunch of different things. Tuberculosis patients, mumps patients, measles patients, chickenpox patients, cancer patients. And he claimed to have seen this in the blood of all of these sick people. Mm. Whatever this oscillococci was. That's incredible. Uh no one knows to this day what the heck he saw. I, nobody knows like what he was maybe calling he had some this. Of those floaters in his eye, you know, maybe, maybe. But he saw something, and he thought he it was. Said he saw something. Well, yes, he said he saw something. He called it the universal germ, mm. and he thought if there's a universal germ, we could make a cure for all of this and sell it and 
great. We've saved humanity, right? If there's one germ, I mean, that would be great. So anyway, he cre- because he was also a believer in homeopathy, which is the belief that uh, a very tiny amount of a substance, one might say no amount at all, <laughs> the essence, the, 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 the essence of the substance could cure an illness, right? So like if a bunch of substance of this substance makes you sick, a tiny amount of the substance will make you well. Okay. Not real. At no, all. there's no, I mean, it's been disproved. Like there's no truth there's to nothing. this. There's no, it's nothing. Means fake. Yes, it's, means it's fake. nothing. So, but he believed in those principles. And so that's, those were the principles he used to develop his cure for the universal germ. And basically what he, he does, he, he, he needed a good source of Oslo coccinium, right? Cause if you're going to, if it's like cures like, so if a bunch of this universal germ will make you sick, then the, then a teeny, teeny infinitesimally small amount of it will make you well. So he needed a good source of it. Uh, he decided that duck liver was a great source of it. Sure. So you have to take a duck and, um, get 35 grams of its liver and 15 grams of its heart, put that into a bottle, mix it with some like pancreatic juice and some sugar and let that turn into like a goo. And then once you have that goo, by the way, if you're wondering why he chose liver, I was, uh, he said that, um, the ancients considered the liver as the seat of suffering. Um, so that there was like um, there's some, some sort of energy. There's, there's some mornings I feel that way. <laughs> there's some energy to the liver that was special. This is random. Anyway, so you take this goo that you've now formed after 40 days and uh, you're going to dilute it using a very specific homeopathic method. There are different ways. There are different homeopathic traditions of diluting things. The most obvious would be like take a drop of goo and put it in 100 ml of water. Take a drop of that and put it in 100 ml of water. Take a drop of that, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah carry on to infinity this is nothing uh there was another method that was like a shortcut called the kosakov method mm. which was named for a for a guy Simeon korsakov sorry korsakov method and uh he he decided that a faster way to do homeopathy in the 1800s was to <laughs> so you've got your bottle of goo mm-hmm. dump it out then fill it with water Oh, excellent. That's your first dilution. (laughs) That saved a lot of time. Thank you so much. Uh, And so he used that that way of diluting it. And this specific uh, formulation, oscillococcinium, is diluted 200 times. That is a lot. And if you look on the box, you will see that it it has 200 CK on it, Mm -hmm. the oscillococcinium. And that stands for... uh, centesimal which means a one to a hundred dilution and then the k is for corsakovian so 200 centesimal corsakovian dilutions were were done to prepare this medicine which is a lot so these pills have nothing in them yes they're fake they're fake they have nothing they have nothing they do not in any way treat or cure or affect anything, any illness or wellness. They don't do anything. There's nothing in them. I mean, you could drink water and say you just drank oxal. I actually know because at least water would hydrate you. They're nothing. You will find them again when I was looking at the top shelf at all the elderberry. 
you look a couple shelves down. They're not as prominent as elderberry, but they're right there. These boxes of Oslo coccinium, they all come from this same. I, I, apparently, this is hugely popular in France. It was listed as one of the, like the top 10 highest grossing medications in France. Um, that uh, it is it is also by this one French company and people use it for cold and flu. All, and and so it does wild. nothing. It's completely fake. One, you can buy it at all the real drugstores. I'm looking at the website of a company. Yes, I have seen it at CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, Walgreens. I am certain any, and I'm not putting them on blast. I'm certain you'll find it at any pharmacy. What I love, uh, okay, so here's the benefits of uh, Ocelo, according to this one manufacturer. Non-drowsy. True, it's nothing. Sure. No known drug interactions. Absolutely. 100%. It's nothing. Quick dissolving pellets. Excellent. No preservatives. No kidding. It's nothing. There's nothing in it. You're buying nothing. Here's a review from Sheila who says, I've been using your product for years. Last Friday, there's two reviews. Here's one from Sheila. I've been using your product for years. Last Friday, my manager at Lowe's started having symptoms of the flu, so I told him about your product. I always have three tubes in my pocketbook. Wow, Sheila. So I gave him the package and told him how to take it. He took Saturday off and came into work yesterday and was feeling better. He thanked me and said his wife picked up a package to have at home, and he returned a new package of three to me. I love your product. Sheila? (laughs) Sheila, what have you done? You've done nothing, Sheila, except found a friend, and that's excellent. It can bring people together and non-drowsy. The the idea of testimonials when it comes to medications are really, I mean, there's a reason it always calls to mind patent medicines is because a testimonial is a great way of trying to sell something that doesn't work because you are not held you're not bound by anything. Right. It's it's just, this I don't know. It's what Sheila folks. said. Sheila said it. Not us. Sheila. Yes. And it, Advil doesn't have quotes on the bottle from people that are like, here's, this is great for me. It worked great for me. Because <laughs> they don't need to because it works. And you can, and you can at this point, if you're thinking, well, they have commercials for all these things. Yes. And they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? We shouldn't have commercials for any medications. We should prescribe the stuff that works and stuff like this, which is not a medicine, which is a nothing that does nothing, should not be sold. Uh, and certainly not put in the, in an aisle with cold medications, with flu medications. So this is nothing. If you hear about somebody taking it, if you see somebody taking it, I, I can't say it's going to hurt you other than you wasted your money. You could have spent that money maybe on, something else that would have helped you (laughs) i don't know some kale or something but (laughs) but this this will do nothing for you it's completely fake it's homeopathic please advise people don't take it uh elderberry at this point we have no data to say that it really treats anything it definitely does not cure or prevent the flu definitely does not Will we someday have a preparation of elderberry that you might be able to take as the same way we take symptomatic things that like maybe you feel a little better while you're sick? They don't they're not really fixing the problem, but like, eh, I didn't cough quite as much. I don't feel quite so bad. Is there a, is there a route for elderberry there? Possible. Maybe. I, I wouldn't say we're there de- with science at all. The evidence isn't there for it at all. And if you make it at home, you could hurt yourself. So my advice is. Stay away from elderberry. Stay away from oscillococcinium. If something says homeopathic, please don't buy it and tell your friends the same. And get your flu shot. 
if you don't want to get the flu or if you're trying to shorten the duration and severity of flu symptoms, the best way to do that is not get the flu at all. And the best way to do that is get your flu shot. Please. Yes, wash your hands. Yes, cough and sneeze into your elbow. All those things are good. Just go get the flu shot. Stay home when you're sick. Don't expose other people. Be considerate. But get your flu shot. It is the, there is no, I, I don't know why people, we have something that works. We have studies that say it works. We have, we have so much testing in vitro, meaning in the lab and in vivo, meaning in humans, clinical trials that say vaccines are safe and effective. They prevent disease. They save lives. And the flu vaccine is no different. It's right there among them. I don't know why it gets separated out there as like, well, but the flu, no, it's right there with the rest of the vaccines doing great work, saving humanity, <laughs> keeping us alive. Before the flu vaccine, people didn't use elderberry because it worked. People used elderberry because they didn't have a flu vaccine. And you know what happened to them? They died of the flu. They died of the flu. <laughs> Sheila, they died of the flu. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our totally non-confrontational program, Sawbones. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, uh, please... You know, help us spread the word about this episode. But even if you don't know this episode, just spread the word about elderberry and oscillococcinium. Like, it's just, it's fair. It's nothing. It's nothing, and it does not prevent the flu. Um, it does not. Please get your flu shot. Please, please get, get your flu, flu shot. shot. Um, uh, it's never too late to get your flu shot. Please go get it. Hey, if you uh, have a few spare bucks this uh, holiday season, I have a request. A group of fans of another podcast we do, My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, called the Mabim Bam Angels. They have a drive that they do to buy gifts for people in our area that aren't going to have much for Christmas. Um, and if you want to volunteer to help one of these families in the region, it would sure mean a lot. And uh, if you're in a position to do that, it would really mean the world. You can go to mbmbamangels.com and volunteer or just kick in a few bucks if you want to. And uh, it would it would really help out. It won't take very long and, and you could really change somebody's life. So please go do that if you are so able. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, we will be back with you again next week. But until then, my name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.